This is the Influencer Entrepreneurs Podcast with Jenny Melrose, where I strategize with business owners on how to grow and scale their businesses to hit their income goals. This is episode 174 of the Influencer Entrepreneurs Podcast with Jenny Melrose. Today I'm speaking with Kathy Heller, and she's going to be talking with us about how to turn your passion into your dream job. You're definitely going to want to listen into this episode. At the date of this recording, we were in the middle of the pandemic. I'm hoping by the, the time this actually comes out that we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, but we, the information that she is going to be providing is just so important to what we're all seeing and what we're going through right now. And really, starting to understand how you could really turn that passion into that dream job. We also talk a little bit about her book, which I am excited to be able to share over in the show notes. I also give a little bit and want to make sure that we talked about her book because as many of you know, mine is out. It was launched May 1st, and I am so excited to be able to put this out into the world to help you guys really take this time where we have been locked down in quarantine, and now we're seeing so many people trying to build that online presence, trying to understand how you can turn your business to start to make that passive income or really start to move it to the next level to scale bigger and better. So if you haven't had a chance yet to grab on to that new book, I would love it if you grabbed it. All right, guys, let's dive in. Hi, Kathy. How are you? I'm so good. It's so fun to connect with you and get to chat with you. Yes, I am so excited to introduce you to my audience and for them to really get to know you. Will you start off just telling us a little bit about yourself and your business? Sure. Um, I'm a mom. I have three little girls. We live in Los Angeles. I started, I started my journey coming out to LA to be a songwriter and I got signed to Interscope and, uh, I got dropped from the label and I got a couple day jobs and I was like, Oh, darn it. And then a couple years after that, I asked myself a question I had never asked, which was like, is there any other way for me to do what I love? Or is it either like you're a rock star or you're miserable building other people's dreams and sitting at a desk And that was a good question to ask because I looked for a middle road. Like, is it Beyonce or bust or anything in between? And I wound up, um, I wound up finding some research around uh, artists, musicians who were licensing songs of theirs to Grey's Anatomy and commercials for Target. And I was like, oh, what's that about? And I thought, what if I pursued that? And so I quit my day job. And I started to just do that full time. And now I say to people, don't quit your day job. Just build a side hustle first because it caused me such stress. And I had to, of course, take odds and ends kinds of jobs and until it took off. But about 18 months after making that decision, I wound up getting my songs on TV and shows like Pretty Little Liars and Switched at Birth and One Tree Hill. These are the shows that were on at the time. And my songs were in Target commercials and Walmart commercials and Hasbro commercials. And I started making probably $300,000 a year. And it was really fulfilling. And I liked it. And I got married and had a kid, another kid kept doing it. I did that for about a decade until other people said, how did you do that? And I was like, oh, this and this. And I would just have conversations with songwriters. Sometimes they'd come over with a coffee and I'd like share with them what I knew. And then I got an email from a songwriter who said, I heard about you from a friend and I don't live near you. And I wonder if you could put this online and teach online what you 
what you do? And I was like, no, uh-uh. And I like got off the phone. I didn't know what she was talking about. I was a songwriter writing music for Netflix and Lionsgate and Ogilvy ad agencies. I didn't know what an online course was. I didn't know what a webinar was. So four years ago, got off the call with this girl and I'm like, hmm, I don't know what she's talking about. Maybe I should look into it. And long story short, I decided maybe I'll create this program called Six Figure Songwriting, even though I'm really nervous about it. I don't know what I'm doing. And I did. And my very first launch of that, which was like six weeks later, like totally naive, just like threw something out in the world, very messy. Uh, I made 147 grand on the first launch. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. Cause that's like half of what I make in the year for doing the songwriting. Right. And I was like, well, that's kind of cool. Let me see if I could really help these people. And so I started to see that people in my class were getting it. One of my students got a song in a Starbucks ad and he made $54,000. And I was like, that's cool. And then I helped another artist get a song in Grey's Anatomy. She made 11 grand for that. I was like, this is cool. I launched it again. And the next time I launched it, I was more confident. And I did it a little better because I knew a little bit, baby bit more about how to do stuff, a little tiny bit. And that time we made 445,000. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. This is really crazy. So then one of my students said, why don't you start a podcast? And I was like, oh, a podcast, what's that? This is three years ago. And I said, all right, I already am busy. You know, when am I going to not be busy? I'll just do it. So I start this podcast and the, the day before I started, I think to myself, if I'm going to do a podcast, does it have to be about the music business? Cause like I never became an artist to teach music business. That was never my goal. Right. So I was like, well, what would I teach about? What would I talk about on a podcast? And I said, I think I would talk about quitting your day job and finding a way to your dream job. Cause that was something that was real for me. And um, I decided let's do that. So I called it, don't keep your day job. My husband came up with the title and would you believe it's now been three years and uh, we're almost at 15 million downloads and I got a book published and I've gotten to meet so many people who have dream drops like Jenna Fisher, who is the star of, she was in a show called The Office, of course, and mm -hmm. Howard Schultz created Starbucks and Bobby Brown, who's a makeup artist. And I get to meet people like you, like entrepreneurs of all kinds who have found definitely the middle space between Beyonce or working for someone you hate, right? There's a lot of in between. And so now um, I've gone on to teach so many courses. I've learned so much about validating a business, growing a business. And because my online community has really become such an engaged, beautiful hub, and I'm still not the girl who's running funnels or webinars or whatever, I've kind of learned how to grow a business very authentically. And I feel like that's kind of my through line is like knowing how to do that. I'm really a people person. And so I teach that. I teach that to people so they can launch things, so they can create their own communities. That's my whole story. I, it's so, I think, relevant for what we're going through right now, especially. I mean, yeah. it was relevant before, right? But now it's even more relevant. And I feel totally. like, so just to be clear, because this is going to come out, everybody listening is going to be listening in May. By the time of this recording, we're early April. So we're in the thick of this. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> So because of that, I believe that there's really going to be a new normal that's going to come out of this. How do you see the pandemic kind of affecting our work as business owners? Oh my God. I think it's such an important question. I think it's the question, you know, I see such a huge opportunity because I'm sitting here 
with an online business. I was talking to a friend yesterday who has a pretty big online presence. And she said her engagement is up 300% since the pandemic started. Um, I was talking to my friend who's CEO of Thinkific and it's an online course platform. And he said they've had more people register for classes in the last three weeks than they've seen all year, all the past year. It's amazing. Um, I read an article in CNBC that was sharing how Hasbro is seeing a raise in in their in their uh, profits because people are buying board games and jigsaw puzzles. Crafting stores are seeing a lift in their profits because people want to learn how to use a loom or weave something. And ba- the baking industry, things are flying off the shelf, not just for essentials, but people are saying, maybe I should learn to cook. Maybe I should get an icing tray. Maybe I should sit down with my kids and we should learn how to make popovers. What I'm saying is that it's very easy to watch the news and think that the whole world is shutting down and the whole economy is over, but certain things are certainly dying and then other things are growing at the same time. So if we want to be real, we got to just look at the whole picture, not just one part of the picture. And what I'm seeing is a huge opportunity, which is it's interesting to look at what's happening in the earth right now and how people are saying, oh, you know, the pandemic the, the thing that is also happening is like the birds are chirping, right? There's no smog in LA. What's happening is actually probably good for global warming. It's probably good for the environment. And it's horrible for us, right, as human beings. And one question that I'm thinking is, you know, of the businesses that won't survive, how many of those businesses were really essential? How many of those businesses were really in alignment with the person making the business. Like it was really their destiny. It was their purpose in life. And was it really laced with empathy for their buyer? Was it really what what we need? And I think people want things. And as long as people want things, there's an economy to be had, right? Supply and demand. What is the demand? What I see is that while people are very, very overwhelmed with how freaking sad it is right now, it is so sad. I have a very close friend who is dealing with this and in ICU and I'm waiting every day to find out. And it's really, really changed my feeling about life every day. It's scary out there. So I understand what that feels like. And I'm, I'm a human like everyone else. Like I don't have a superpower to fend off this virus. But what I also know to be true is that last year before the pandemic, 1.6 million Americans attempted suicide. 54% of this country said that they felt isolated and the depression rates were through the roof more than we've ever seen. So I'm wondering what is the, what is the needs of human beings and is it more products and more stuff, which is also not good for the environment or is it more connection? Is it more belonging? And if that's the case, I wonder then if one of the blessings is that now, because we are so socially isolated, are we spending more time on zoom? Are we proactively making connections with people who we don't always call or check in on because it's now so clear that it's essential and a necessity. And I wonder what businesses might come of that. And for me personally, the story I just told you, Jenny, when you asked me about my story, hands down, the thing that has given my family the most freedom, the thing that's given me the most purpose and the thing that's made me literally multi seven figures a year is creating an online community and teaching classes. And it's amazing how there's no, there's no, there's no products to make. There's no exhaust fumes coming out of buildings from that. It's simple connection. And I think it it comes back to the greatest human need, which is belonging. The greatest human need is I want to be seen and 
I don't think that happiness is what everyone's seeking. I think it's purpose. And I think when we contribute, when we connect, we feel the best. And so I wonder how many awesome things might get created around that. Yes. And I think the word that keeps coming up is definitely that connection piece. And I think those even that have products, people are now, whether it's a t-shirt or it's a pen or it's a planner, whatever it is, whatever they're buying now, it does have some sort of connection behind it. They totally. have that audience that they've built in and there's a purpose behind it. Um, so I think that that is absolutely true. So now if we were to think about what is the first step in order to turn our passion into our dream job? So we're sitting here, even if we're outside of this listening and we're past this whole pandemic part, how can we turn that passion into our dream job? What would you say the first step would be? Yeah, well, I, I mean, this is, I help people with this every day and I want to talk about it because it's a great question. I think also, because we, we don't have clarity around what it, what it takes to, to build a business and it, we actually overestimate what it would take. And it, and it actually is something that everyone can do like this week and they can do it in the middle of a pandemic. I want to also piggyback on what you just said, which is that whatever you're going to sell, whether you're selling a product or you're selling a service or you're selling a community, a coaching program, a membership, a a class, it is always going to be the world you create around the thing. People don't buy things, we buy feelings. So when you open a can of Coca-Cola, it's not the ingredients in it. It's the fact that they've done such a good job of marketing happiness so you think this will make me happy. And it does and for me personally, right? Um, we, I'm wearing a, a spiritual gangster sweatshirt, which is a really cool brand. It was created by this guy, Ian LaPatton. And in LA, it's very, very trendy and popular. And they sell at Bloomingdale's and oh, whatever, a lot of, across the country, but LA loves this brand. I know that I could tell. Um, and what he said to me when he was on my show is that they created a movement right? Do you want to be a spiritual gangster? And what does that mean? It means that like this sweatshirt that I'm wearing says, trust your soul. And a lot of the other sweatshirts say good vibes only or gratitude. And so what he said is we created a world and then, oh yeah, we have merch. Yep. We have really cool t-shirts that say those things. And he said, when people put on those shirts, we get letters from people who say, it starts my day. I'm a spiritual gangster today. Like I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to come from a state of you know, awareness and good vibes and intentionality. So that is always what we do when we're selling something. It's the feeling. So I do agree with you. And that, and therefore that would be the way to stand out and sell a product or anything else. Um, when you want to know how the heck are you going to start this thing? So the very first thing is you have to validate the business. You have to have a proof of concept. And what most people forget is that businesses are built that way. They think that it's the opposite. They think they have to go off in a cave come up with an entire business, come up with a product, come up with a whole thing, and then bring it to the world and convince people that they want it. That never works. What does work is you start off with one little seed of an idea and you say, who would be the kind of person who would want these vegan cupcakes? Who would be the kind of person who might want to take this Zoom class with kids and art projects? Oh, Stacy. Okay, let me DM Stacy and ask her a few questions. Would you like something like this? Have you ever had anything like this? If you have had something like this, what did you like? What did you not like about it? And you get her information. You go, oh, that's so fascinating. 
Then you ask two other people and then you integrate what they tell you. And then you share with them some beta version like, oh, this is the class I'm thinking of teaching. Can I get on Zoom and show you the first three ideas? Did you like it? Did you not like it? What would you pay for? Accountability? What would you pay for? The product? What would you pay for? Oh, these are my vegan cupcakes. Oh, you want them gluten-free? Oh, interesting. Very good. By definition, the difference between a hobby and a business is that a business means somebody else wants it means somebody else is paying me. So it is about that person. A hobby is about me. I paint. I don't paint. I like to songwrite. I don't. I write a play. I don't. I stop. It doesn't matter. It's about me. When it's a business, all about you. So I have to be of use, right? So I got to basically take your order. Do you want it hotter or colder? Soft, hard, this, that, up, down. Great. Here's your t-shirt. Great. Here's your, here's your food. So we have to just get super granular about that and also recognize that don't worry about the entire world right now. Get really good at serving three people and then you go validated concept. They liked the class. I fixed it. I created it. I went back. I'm good. Now, where are there more people like them? Now, how do I give them such a good experience that they're going to go talk about it? Now, what are my goals for this? Now, what, what's the next thing I'm testing? How do we launch things? That's a whole other question, a whole other conversation we can have, but that is the fundamental beginning. And it's, I love that you're talking about this because it goes back to almost that avatar, that person that you're going to start with. And I think so many people start with this idea of, I need this huge wide net and I'm going to talk to everybody and I'm going to let everybody. Yeah, exactly. And so many people struggle with this side of things. Like you said, they'll go in the cave. I always equate it to, you know, creating that airplane in midair and just expecting that if I build it, they're going to come. When in reality, I love the example that you gave of being able to go back and forth with the person and really dive deeper into what they need, creating it for that person. Because when you do that, you're creating it for your avatar and then you're just finding more people like that. Oh, I, that was just such a great example, the way that you step by step took us through that. You were a great example of being a good host. So good job. <laughs> so cute. So I mean, how it. do we? <laughs> we both have freckles. We're in the same club. We like each other immediately. People with freckles are nice. Let's be honest. Just saying. So, if we are to look at this, how do we determine what we are supposed to contribute? Because I think a lot of people get they struggle with that. Like, how am I different? How am I unique? What am I going to bring that's going to be different? Oh, such a good question. Remember, I said before, like the one of the greatest human needs is like. People want to feel seen. People want to feel like you see me, you get me. I'm contributing something that's unique in the world. So we worry about this. And sometimes we allow this to actually stop us from everything because we're so consumed with what is my ultimate one and only existential purpose in this world. And if I don't discover it, I'll just work for this other person until I discover it, right? What we know is that one third of the population from the time they're a tiny little kid, they're like, I love to sing. I love to help people. I, I want to be a doctor. But two thirds of the population, it takes them a journey to under, understand what their purpose in life is. So I think one of the ways to figure this out is not to say like, what is my one and only purpose? Because you're going to be there for a while, like trying to answer that. How about, how can I be of use, right? How can I be of use? And there's a few ways to figure this out. 
Maybe you make a little list, you Google doc, you like do a brain dump of like all the things you like to do. Cause sometimes there's a clue in there. Like I, when I have time, I find myself organizing my house. When I have time, I find myself wanting to like style my friend's clothes. When I have time, I find myself wanting to put people together, connect people with other business. I don't know, just, just kind of, you could see what comes. You could also ask like five people, what do you think of me for? Oh, I think of you whenever I need a restaurant recommendation. Oh, I think of you when I need someone to listen to my marriage problems. Oh, I think, oh, that's interesting. Sometimes there's low hanging fruit and that is what we are already wanted for. And we just don't see it, right? But that's like our greatest gift. And, and sometimes we need to understand what people are asking us for. See, a lot of times when we're growing up, people are like, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? In business, and you know this, Jenny, it's all about what problems you solve. So I think the, the question to ask a child, the question to ask an adult, instead of what do you want to be when you grow up is what problems do you solve, right? Because when it comes to making money, we said it before, difference in a hobby and a business is other people need or want it. So typically, the more you solve a problem, the more money you will make. The more specific the problem you solve, the more money you make. The bigger the problem you solve, the more money you make. So it's about what you do to serve. So sometimes there is this thing that you love and it's a clue because that is what people want from you. Yep. The reason you love it is because you're good at it. But sometimes it's your pain. Sometimes it's what's broken. Sometimes it's the fact that you went through postpartum. You're the perfect person to help other women with that. Sometimes it's because you've been through a divorce. Sometimes it's because you've been through a miscarriage. Sometimes it's because you've been through a childhood of all this struggle. Now you know resilience. You can teach resilience. Sometimes it's because you've created a certain business. Now you can teach other people how to create that business. It just depends. So what we do is we look at all that stuff. We look at all that data, what we love, what other people told us they come to us for, what we've been through. And we say, is there anything that overlaps here? right? Because that might be a good thing to, to start with. Or where is there the most enthusiasm for me right now? Because enthusiasm lights up in the brain more than anything else. And that might be just a good place to start. And you start there. And then you, again, you listen for feedback. And I think that if you're open and humble to the how it's going to play out, and you're just consistent with, I want to serve, I want to be in business, and I want to be successful in business serving the world, you're going to get led to how you show up best for other people. Yes. And they're going to, like you said, just give them that path to be able to see that. And I think the interesting part too, is part of what you talked about with their story and what they've been through, I think also is their way that they're going to connect. So it may not necessarily be that they're going to talk about postpartum, but that might, or grief, let's say as an example, but that might be something that kind of is infused throughout what they are doing. Right. Um, so and it does give that connection and that targets that audience that has, is also dealing with, let's say grief, for example. Um, so why do you think some succeed in launching based on their passion and others do not? It really, a, a couple things. The confused buyer doesn't buy. So a lot of times if you're bumping up against resistance or your launch is not working, you were not clear in your message. Okay. What does that mean? It means people want to know the result. They don't buy process. They buy result, right? If you were hiring a tutor for your child and your tutor said, I like to go through this kind of reading comprehension. Then I do this. You'd be like, I need someone to teach him this. Do you do that? 
Oh yeah, that's what I do. Oh good. Just tell me that. Cause that's what I'm calling you for. I need to solve this problem. It's like, you're going to the doctor and you're like, I have this thing. And the doctor's like this medicine, what it does is it attaches to a protein and did it. And you're like, does it fix this problem? Oh yeah, it does. Oh, just tell me that. Cause I don't need to understand all the processes. I just want to know clearly if I'm going to say yes to this method, it gets me this result. So what specific result do you get with this thing that you're selling? That's got to be really clear. So that's one reason why people might have more success than others is depending on how clear they are about what the message is around what they're delivering. The other reason is because what people don't always get is that sales is intimacy. It's about empathy. And I keep saying that in different ways, but really and truly, that's how it goes. So often what people do is they like think, I'm going to do a big Facebook ad campaign. I'm going to make lots of funnels. I'm going to... You might be spending a lot of time trying to get more eyeballs, trying to just push something, trying to sell, 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 sell. But if you are selling, it's because there's a connection, there's an intimacy, and you understand what your client needs. Your client knows that you get them and see them and you built trust. So a lot of people will think it's more important to have 400,000 followers on Instagram than to have 4,000 followers and they're dead wrong. It's not about the number of followers. It's about how much engagement there is. If you go find someone who's a micro influencer and he or she has 2,700 followers on Instagram and on every post, you're seeing 111 comments, you stick to that person like white on rice. That person is building something that is sustainable. If you see somebody who has half a million followers on Instagram and they have 47 likes on a post, they're disconnected. It's not working. There's no traction. So the deeper the engagement, the more you're going to be able to have a better launch. So with me, I did a launch in January of one program, a launch in February with another program, both programs, different programs with a different result, month to month, back to back launches, each $1.3 million launches, because it for me is all about the engagement. And so how I launch, I don't do webinars. I don't do slideshows. I don't write fancy pitch copy. I just don't. I really lean into how can I create intimacy with people? And I have a whole sort of system for doing that. And that has been everything. Yes. And <laughs> I just kept shaking my head. Yes, yes. As, like, as you're yes, going girl. It's exactly right. And it's part of it too is a lot of my listeners do think of themselves as micro-influencers and they've had me up on the soapbox for so long telling them it's about the engagement. Your numbers don't matter. Just engage with your people and understand them because those are the ones that you're going to try to end up creating that sale with. So if you do have that connection and it's done empathetically with taking into consideration what is going on and how you're the biggest piece I think is when you try to do sales, if you think about the problem that you're solving for them by having that sale, that's what makes the huge difference, right? I knew we would get along. I'm telling you, I'm so with you. When I know that I'm going to talk to someone like you, I get really excited. There was a time where I used to think that the people who had like these huge followings, I was like, oh, they're the most interesting. They're the most. And as I've stayed in business, I'm like, oh, if you've got a deep following, 
you're the person I want to be around because it's what's in it. And that's everything. And I knew that you and I would get each other. (laughs) So tell us the biggest takeaways from your book. Don't keep your day job. What, What can we expect to take away from it? You know, it's so much in line with what we're talking about, but the book, the very first promise of the book from the, from the way I see it is that it brings you back home to yourself, right? It brings you back home to I'm worthy and, oh, I do want something else. And what is that thing I want? And, oh yeah, I am enough. So it gives you this like permission to say what you do dream about and permission to start by being mediocre at it. And it gives you all of these examples of people who decided that they weren't okay, not being themselves, came home to themselves, learned about what they can do to serve, learned about what lights them up, found some way to do them at the same time, something they like that serves the world. And then the examples of how people started doing that from a place of being not perfect and showing you in the book how it is about that slow and steady engagement, one person at a time, and how quickly that can turn into a quick $6,500 side hustle a month, which is not nothing. We have a ton of examples in there Um, of people like this guy, Greg Franklin, who was a listener of my show. I started to coach him. He was working at a dog food factory, standing in front of a machine all day that made plastic bags for dog food. Decided he was going to try making a cheesecake. The first one wasn't great. The second one wasn't great. The third one was pretty tasty. He decided to make two. He brought one to the fire station. The guys at the fire station loved it. And then he just started selling a few of these cheesecakes in town a little bit at a time until he decided to go to a coffee shop and say, like, would you want to buy 10 of these at a time? And they were like, sure. And he started to make a few thousand dollars a month. And then he got fired actually from his uh, factory job and he opened his own cheesecake shop and he made more money on day one of his cheesecake shop than he ever made in this factory. Uh, the line was around the block. And not only that, but it, he he now is like, I can't believe how I inspire other people to do what they love, right? Um, I think that we underestimate like what we could do and we overestimate what it would take to do it. And so the book gives you um, a lot of strength, a lot of permission, a lot of examples. And then it shows you like, well, here are the actual things that you should go and start to do. One of them being, validate the offer. One of them being um, build an audience. And I kind of take you through like takeaways at the end of every chapter to to sort of process or journal about or try. So it's kind of like a, a, it's like a therapy session in a book with some really beautiful possibility. Cause I do think that for us, for us as people, we'll only reach for the highest branch we can see. And so the whole thing that changed my life was asking a new question, which is, well, why does this paradigm have to be the only one where it's either I'm famous or I work and do something I hate? Is there any other way? And when I saw artists licensing songs, I thought, I never saw that as a path. And once I saw that path, right? Or when the girl called and said, why don't you start an online class? I'm like, what does that look like? And when I saw that path, so I think the book gives you a lot of like, this is possible, you deserve it. And here are some steps to take to go ahead and do it. Figure it out. So, 
a book is a huge undertaking, I think, especially as a mom to three little ones. Yeah. So what has the book kind of helped you do in your business? It was really hard to write it. I like, I like hated it while I was going through it. Cause it was like, Oh, I have to write 70,000 words. I haven't written anything since sophomore year of high school. Like who was I to think I could write a book? It was hard. But then looking back, I see that a lot of people have loved it. So I'm like, Oh good. All right. Well, it's, it was worth the, the pain. Right. Um, what it does is fascinating, actually, because I'm the same person I was the day before the book came out. But as soon as your name is on a book and people can say, Kathy Heller said this on page 37, they take it seriously. I don't have a PhD next to my name all of a sudden. It didn't, I, I didn't all of a sudden become a qualified quote unquote expert. I just wrote down what I felt, just like Gretchen Rubin, right? She writes all this stuff about happiness. She was an unhappy lawyer who then started looking into happiness, but people quote her book. So I think books build platform. They build authority. It, it shows somebody, wow, she takes this topic real seriously, doesn't she? She wrote a whole book on it. And all of a sudden it sort of elevates your credibility because people say, oh, this person really cares about this topic. So I'm going to listen. I'm going to pay attention. Right. Nope. Totally great. So um, we're going to link to the book in the show notes for sure so that we can, everybody can make sure that they get their own copy. Where else are the best places to kind of like follow along with you, possibly get in touch, all that kind of stuff? I'm really very active on Instagram and I respond to all my DMs and I'm there every day writing my own posts, connecting with people in, in the comments. And so Kathy.heller, Kathy's with a C. And then also the podcast is awesome. I mean, it's it's just... It's giving such life to people and I, I love creating it. It's awesome. We put out two shows a week and it's called Don't Keep Your Day Job. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. And um, every few months I do a challenge to for five days where I like walk people through and give people a ton of value for free. They're free challenges and they're stay tuned because if you go to my website, kathyheller.com, you'll find out when the next one is. And on my website is a free quiz where people can figure out like, what might my purpose, passion, project, dream job be? There's a quiz there that helps you come up with like what that might look like. And it's kind of fun. Okay, perfect. We will make sure that we link to the, directly to that. So people listening in, um, and I always tell my audience, take a screenshot when you're out walking the dog or whatever you're doing, listening to the podcast, you can tag both of us in your Instagram stories. Um, Kathy, I appreciate you so much for taking the time to speak with me. I um, will just so appreciate you. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much. All right. Well, there you have it. I hope you guys are inspired to grab her book and really start to figure out how you can turn that passion into a dream job. Many of you have started to do that. Now it's just about scaling it and moving it to the next level. And I'd really like to help guide you through that with my book as well. So if you haven't already bought that, I would love it if you did. Um, as always, if you are listening to the podcast, if you would take a screenshot and put it up on your Instagram stories, you can tag me at Jenny underscore Melrose as well as at Kathy.Heller to let us know that you are listening in. We appreciate you so much. All right, until next time, I will see you all then. 